It's not a one country thing, it's an African agenda. This is African Insight with Derek Mazarura. We embody comprehensive assessments of infrastructure projects on the African continent and all issues related to African development, inclusive landmark impulsions for Africa. Welcome to African Insights with Derek Mazarura. The show comprises a critical navigation of infrastructural engagements across our precious African continent and all areas development in Africa. With Africa endowed with renewable energy sources and the globalization of green energy on the increase, there is a tremendous shift towards renewable energy sources. However, what could these sources be without sufficing investments and sound policy? With us on the show this hour to help unpack the subject is firstly Thompo Vuyondoi, a Joint Managing Director at African Infrastructure Investment Managers, AIIM. Secondly, Akinonle Omoriwo II, the Chairman Board of Directors of Genesis Energy Holding, a company with subsidiary project enterprises owning one of the largest licensed commercial off-grid power operations in sub-Saharan Africa. Thirdly, Uyapo Majahana, an environmental science journalist. And last but not the least, Jubril Adiojo, co-founder of One Watch Solar. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. My name is Vuyo Ntoi. Uh, my name is Jubril Adiojo. Uh, thank you, Derek. My name is Akimwale Amoburiwo II. I'm the Chairman Board of Directors of uh, Genesis Energy. Hi, my name is Uyapo Machahana. I'm an environmental journalist. And uh, thank you so much, Derek, for having me on your show. Thank you for that. Vuyo, what is Old Mutual Alternative Investments, OMI, and what are the aims and objectives of the program? Why renewable energy infrastructure and how is the investment consonant with Old Mutual's mainstream investment projects? Old Mutual Alternatives Investments is um, uh, one of the silos within Old Mutual's um, overall investment uh, business. Uh, it sits alongside Old Mutual Investment Group, uh, Future Growth Asset Management, uh, Marriott Asset Management, uh, and essentially represents um, primarily equity investments in kind of unlisted um, sectors. So that's infrastructure, private equity, and uh, development impact uh, funds. Uh, it also has some unlisted uh, mezzanine and, uh, and senior debt uh, capabilities as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, the business I am responsible for is um, AIM, which is African Infrastructure Investment Managers. And we're the business that focuses on infrastructure uh, within, within, within the OMI group. And uh, our business uh, consists of five offices. We have offices in, in Lagos, in Abidjan, and in Nairobi, as well as two in South Africa, in Johannesburg and Cape Town. 
and we essentially invest in infrastructure projects across um, across across the continent. In South Africa, we manage a fund called the Ideas Fund, which uh, is primarily um, investing South African pensioner money. And obviously, pensioners look for kind of long-term returns. And um, per your question on uh, why renewables as an investment class, it, you know, first of all, uh, as an investment class, it makes sense because uh, the projects are long-term in nature and provide long-term uh, cash flows. Um, and those cash flows are contracted and guaranteed by the South African government. Mm -hmm. And we believe that we are well-placed to manage those projects through construction risk to uh, create value for, for our clients. So I think overall, uh, the old mutual group and OMI seeks to provide value to clients and we believe we're well-placed to provide value to clients when it comes to in investments in infrastructure and particularly equity investments in infrastructure. And renewables are a, a, a large part of um, mm -hmm. the universe of uh, uh, investment opportunities we see. Still with you, Vuyo, what is the role of African Infrastructure Investment Managers, AIIM, in championing the goals of OMI and sparing growth of African economies for improved GDP per capita and poverty eradication. Uh, thanks for that, Derek. I mean, I think um, it's, uh, it's well understood that um, in order for economies to thrive and grow, um, there needs to be an economic backbone. So for economies to grow, um, traders need to be able to get goods to market um, uh, manufacturers need to have power so that they can uh, uh, produce whatever they're manufacturing. Um, furthermore, there needs to be uh, uh, schools and water reticulation and other social infrastructure in order for um, sort of human development to also uh, improve. So from that perspective, we believe that infrastructure has a very strong um, multiplier effect in the economy. So mm -hmm. uh, the ability for goods to get to market, for uh, ports, which uh, then allow goods to be exported and essentials to be imported um, from uh, telecoms as well, which allow rapid communication. Um, infrastructure is overall a very um, a virtuous cycle of investments that uh, that create a multiplier for from a GDP growth perspective. Vuyo, detail societal and community impacts attainable through African infrastructure investment managers with renewable energy infrastructure being foundational and also give an outline of ESG approach strategies stating how climate change investors and equitable framework are integrated Obviously, um, it's, 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 uh, I mentioned that we have a very strong ESG framework. So, mm -hmm. um, and we believe that ESG speaks to sustainability. So if your projects are not um, well positioned within the societies they serve, um, the sustainability of those projects and the ability for your investors to meet their investment targets uh, is, 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 is put at risk. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, from that perspective, we make sure that the projects we invest in have uh, uh, strong community-related um, community-related uh, 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 projects, uh, and you know it's 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 part of what we uh, our environmental and social management uh, plan for uh, every investment we make. So. Uh, we ensure that um, when it comes to jobs, for instance, uh, the local community is uh, accommodated. Uh, we make sure that, for instance, if we're uh, generating electricity, um, that at least you know the, the, the local community feels the benefit of electricity. I mean, we've had projects, for instance, where uh, power is generated in a community, but all this power then gets uh, transported on big transmission lines to uh, other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. And one of our social projects was to ensure that the community around that power station is also served by that power generation. Otherwise, um, you know, it's, it, it would lead to an unsustainable position where the community is centered in an area where power is generated, but those communities don't have power. Uyapo, your perspective with regards to investor partnerships with renewable energy infrastructure projects? There is actually quite a lot of benefits um, that the community and the society as a whole uh, gets to to, to benefit uh, through investor partnerships with renewable energy projects, Um, particularly when citizens perceive themselves to be part and parcel of these projects and uh, if they perceive these projects to be actually developing them and not uh, disempowering them of their local rights or entitlements, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there's also the, the wealth generating potential of these uh, projects, uh, local communities can find themselves um, developing um, other entrepreneur, uh, other entrepreneurial activities connected to renewable energy plants, you know. And there's also another benefit that um, local communities, particularly um, financially vulnerable members, can, can benefit from uh, is that these projects, uh, these partnership projects can mm-hmm. actually provide easy payment options because, you know, they'll be part of the program. So um, that gets uh, better in that regard. Again? So my response is that the notion of um, renewable energy uh, as a, as a business uh, enterprise in itself does speak to uh, mitigating uh, initiatives when it comes to the climate change principles. Mm-hmm. Uh, by investing in solar, investing in small hydro or big hydro, investing in geothermal, uh, investing in wind, etc., ensures that uh, we do reduce the impact of the thermal energy exposure on the continent. So I, I think primarily that in itself, it's a major benefit for the continent. Uh, secondly, is that by investing um, heavily in renewable energy, which is, in my opinion, easier to execute uh, um, and to manage and to structure on a smaller scale, you can you can structure renewable energy on a small scale. You can structure it on a big scale. Um, but the the majority of Africa live within the uh, 
should I say, suburbia, rural communities. And frankly, it's just complicated to build big power plants running on gas uh, in all uh, extending very massive mm -hmm. um, transmission lines to those communities. Just, just a lot of money for very small customers. So the mode of investment will be the approach to that investment, which is what the ESG speaks about. So one of the approach to investment is to look at off-grid solutions. Jibril, please give a prudential indication as to why it is imperative for investors to gravitate their tools towards renewable energy utilities in Africa and how are renewable energy and clean energy devices realizable for sparing growth of African economies for improved GDP per capita and poverty eradication? Uh, uh, thank you so much for that question. I mean, um, the first answer I would give is that, you know, if you look at the global economy now and the um, prediction into 20, 30 years, it's all about carbon neutrality you know, having the net zero economy across the world. And what that tells you is that there's so much investors now, international investors, allocating capital to um, low carbon and green economy innovations. And a key, the, the, the leading um, mm -hmm. producer, you know, is actually power sector, which is why there's more focus on decarbonizing the power sector you know, by transitioning to um, a renewable energy regime across the globe. So I think that's the next frontier of um, opportunities for investors and uh, for Africa. You know, like you would know, uh, a major concern for industrialization and even the well-being of Africans and African businesses has been access to energy, access to dependable power. So by, for Africa to really go on that path of industrialization, they need to consciously do so, you know, on the path of renewable energy, to decarbonize the power need of all of the, of the industrialization. And the, the good thing for the GDP is that what, when there's power supply that is constant, mm -hmm. then fortunately to also have them to be renewable energy. You know, what that tells you is that there's so many jobs that will be created because there will be a lot of young people, women, that will be willing to go into businesses because knowing fully well that energy access is not a problem again yeah well in a continent that is blessed enormously blessed with uh, uh the natural resource that enables us to uh transform nature into uh, uh clean and sustainable and relevant energy i i think that that enormous abundant natural resource just makes sense to convert it uh into, into real capital. And capital means the social benefit of modern form of sustainable electricity uh, for Africans. And of course, uh, a, a, you know, a reasonable level of return on investment. Um, some would say the majority of Sub-Saharan Africa, again, just focusing on uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, live within energy poverty. And if we were to take, and, and this is not the least or, or the best, uh, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, for example, uh, you know, they have one of the lowest uh, rate of electrification on the continent. Mm -hmm. uh, a recent report uh, by, uh, by the U.S. government suggests that, um, uh, you know, the, the country currently sits at less than 20% uh, of electrification for 
uh, for the country. And so uh, the renewable energy uh, sources, uh, they're competitive, they're very reliable, easier, of course, in terms of capital to, to deploy, to construct and maintain uh, solar, as an example, with the solar panels, batteries, I would say is a lot less complicated than building a thermal plant to run some gas and have to build a gas infrastructure, source the gas, et cetera. So by, by partnering um, with these communities in building mini grids, providing off-grid solutions that runs on solar, that runs on, um, on wind, that runs on small hydro, et cetera, mm-hmm. you find that you're actually speaking to uh, some of this ESG approach, which is environmental, social, and governance. And governance there is uh, impacting the communities that we, we do business with or we do business in. Um, and so by creating jobs, first and foremost, by employing those in those communities, by transferring skills, by training those in those communities, uh, by empowering the women folk and therefore bridging the gap around the inequalities we find uh, in, in so many African communities where the, you know, the men are more gainfully employed than women. Uyapo? Um, I believe um, investors have got a lot to gain by gravitating their tools towards renewable energy utilities in Africa, um, considering uh, factors like the health benefits that are associated with renewable energy, uh, also considering the, the cost efficiency mm-hmm. associated with uh, renewable sources, as well as uh, the opportunity for jobs to be created and alleviate the unemployment uh, levels that are associated with many African countries. Um, Maybe taking, um, putting a spotlight on children's health, for example, you know, fossil fuel um, mining activities result in pollutants like uh, mercury and lead uh, and and these are associated with uh, developmental neurotoxins that result in developmental delay mm-hmm. in motor skills and social skills in children and uh, lead is also associated with decreased IQs and antisocial uh, behavior so I believe those are some of the factors that investors should take into consideration we are going to take a quick break and after the break startups and small firms capacity and financing african governments and the private sector prospective future investment strategies for africa un sdgs and africa agenda 2063 join us after the break This is African Insight on Channel Africa DSTV 802. Join me, Derek Mazarura, as we journey through the structure beneath the structure, northeast, west, south, and central Africa to find the project, the meaning with the people for the people. Every Wednesday mornings at 8, regional, national, sub-national, from Morocco's North Africa Power Transmission Corridor to the eco villages in Togo, among many, all here on African Insight Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective.
Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. And if you're just joining us, we are looking at renewable energy investments and partnerships. Back to you, Vuyo. Along with UN SDGs, how is African Agenda 2063 realized? And how have AIM and or OMI over the years formulated and maintained a regulatory framework accommodative of a wide array of fluid economic climates and business environments in Africa? I think in the first instance, talking to Agenda 2063, um, it's, it's important to highlight that, uh, you know, we, we were totally in support of Africa developing itself and uh, being a self-sustaining uh, continent where the lives and livelihoods of um, Africans are improved over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do obviously urge that, I mean, 2063, if you look at it now, is around uh, 40 years out. Um, but, uh, you know, how, who's measuring the interim milestones to get to those targets? Uh, I think it, it's probably important to uh, set uh, kind of more interim milestones in terms of what needs to be approached and um, the truth is that on the continent, uh, some countries take a step forward, some take a step back. Um, we had uh, in kind of at, at around the time um, the Agenda 2063 was being adopted, there was quite a lot of optimism on Africa um, and the Africa Rising narrative was, uh, was, 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 was out there uh, with booming commodity prices and economic growth. Uh, being seen um, across most of the continent. What we've, however, seen is um, kind of a retreat from that with uh, uh, commodity prices uh, falling, uh, mainly following the, 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 the global economic crisis. Uh, and uh, um, we, we saw a lot of governments uh, borrowing too much and uh, running into debt problems, the likes of Zambia and, and Mozambique. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you are correct that uh, the economic uh, situation across the continent is fluid and our belief is that one has to have boots on the ground. So this is why we're not suitcase bankers. We don't fly in and out from Cape Town. We have teams made up of uh, uh, locals who understand the markets uh, they're operating in and are able to properly manage risks for us. Um, we therefore kind of maintain our operations through a, a framework which uh, consists of uh, on-the-ground knowledge, um, but also a set of principles around how we operate uh, that permeate across our business. So it's, it's around integrity, sustainability of our projects. It's around um, adequate returns, project structuring that's structured in a way that uh, mitigates against many of the risks that mm-hmm. could uh, um, impact our investments. Jubril, your perspective on this one with Green Energy Prospects Incorporated? Um, I always say that it is the manner in which we take on the SDG 13, which is on climate action, that would determine how well we achieve the other SDGs sustainably, right? I know SDG 13 climate action means that, which is the reason why we're saying for 
for the affordable energy access, which is SDG seven, if I'm correct, or six, okay, the emphasis there is on renewable energy, sustainable energy access for all. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, and like I was saying earlier, the way we tackle that as well would also determine the opportunities that are opened up within the African economy, right? So if you look at the SDG one, uh, talks about um, ending poverty. So with energy access on the continent, powered by renewable energy, what, what that will tell you is that the economy will open up for jobs opportunity. And once that happened, young people, women, farmers, ordinarily unable to, to expand or grow or start a business because energy is a challenge. We have access to starting sustainable businesses, sustainable livelihood. Mm-hmm. And the SDG2, I talked about zero hunger. You can look at zero hunger from two, from two sides. Be from the side of food production, it could also be from the side of people having money to buy food and feed themselves and the household. Okay, so power, renewable energy is at the heart of activity, development, transformation of the continent because it opens up a lot of opportunities for, for, for Africans, women, young people to play in. And that is what the SDG truly is about. It's about opening up the economy of Africa or society in ensuring that jobs can be created, livelihood created, livelihood can be secured. So that is really what the SDG is about. And renewable energy truly is at the forefront mm-hmm. you know, to pave the way for every other SDGs to be achieved sustainably. Again, uh, part, of, part, of the, part of the agenda 2063 include how we power our communities. And so the sort of things that you and I have spoken about, uh, uh, trying to leapfrog Africa from dirty fuels into clean energy, into renewable energy. For example, in Nigeria, we have the Renewable Energy Master Plan, referred to a REMP, R-E-M-P. And the notion of R-E-M-P seeks to increase the, the portion of renewable energy supply in the, in, the, you know, in the country, in the long term, uh, to, to the majority power supply. Today, we have a lot of hydro, of course, but I think gas in Nigeria mm-hmm. continues to drive how power is delivered. And that also comes with its own challenges. But in time, uh, the focus of the Nigerian government uh, is to uh, drive more investment in renewable energy. And so there are you know, over one giga. A uh, gigawatt of solar power, for example, has been contracted. There's multiple um, uh, initiatives to support off-grid deployment of solar, of, of hydro, etc. And the same thing you can speak about in South Africa, uh, where you have the integrated resource plan, uh, all of which, again, is focused around um, growing the, the quantum of renewable energy mm-hmm. that uh, is delivered on the continent. Um, versus that of thermal or uh, the very prohibitive diesel generation, which is just environmentally terrible and, of course, remains prohibitively expensive. Uyapo? Green energy provides quite a number of opportunities to make sure that the United Nations SDGs 
as well as the African Agenda 2063 are realized. Take, for example, uh, biogas in comparison mm -hmm. to wood fiber collection, which is usually done by uh, women and children in most African uh, rural areas. You know, biogas provides an opportunity for, for women and children to improve their standard of living and quality of life and well-being, you know, a life that is uh, alternate to uh, an, an, an activity or a lifestyle of labor which actually hampers their self-esteem, you know. And uh, education gets involved as well because, you know, children uh, will have to go to school tired from uh, the hood collection mm -hmm. or maybe they do the hood collection after school. Voyo, how does African Infrastructure Investment Managers work with lightweight African investors to build financial capacity and expand investment capacity? Any key financial schemes and or assets available to aid SMEs and SMMEs in green investments? Uh, thanks for that, Derek. Um, obviously, you know, the, um, a lot of the projects we undertake tend to be very large civil engineering contracts, which uh, typically uh, include some of the largest contractors in the world. However, um, I mean, the renewables program in South Africa is an example where there's uh, a requirement for lots of uh, enterprise uh, development and uh, uh, development of the communities around those projects. So from a subcontracting perspective, we encourage or in some instances actually require that the contractors who build the projects we're investing in either subcontract to uh, small enterprises in the area mm -hmm. where the project is located or um, hire um, labor that comes from those communities. So from that perspective, I think uh, a lot of the projects we manage galvanize, um, galvanize small and medium enterprises and, uh, and helps them to, to grow. And there are a number of case studies that involve uh, businesses um, that have been um, spawned from some of our projects uh, as uh, small subcontractors that have uh, gone on to uh, uh, greater, greater heights, uh, having started as uh, subcontractors to uh, our, our projects. Why is the realization of PPPs crucial for infrastructure projects in Africa and where can African governments improve for public and private sector cooperation? In the same instance, please explain African infrastructure investment managers' future investment strategies in Africa, particularly sectors to be incorporated into OMI's key components for strategic development. Um, thanks, Derek. Um, I mean, PPPs are obviously uh, crucial in the sense that um, we're facing uh, lots of governments across the continent who are quite fiscally strained. Um, you know, I, I mentioned the likes of Zambia and Mozambique who've recently defaulted on their on their debts. Uh, there's obviously other countries who are. Uh, seeking IMF assistance, particularly in the wake of COVID. Um, so we think PPPs obviously provide a structure whereby um, private finance can then be brought on to provide social services um, and alleviate the stresses on the fiscus. Mm -hmm. What's important to highlight, though, is that uh, PPPs aren't 
a panacea. They're not easy. Uh, I think it's important that governments across the continent, um, you know, it's, uh, there's a technology around how PPPs are put together, which um, requires um, working through a number of PPPs so that that experience is built up in country. And what's also important is that there are processes, so uh, that PPP processes are awarded in competitive processes where uh, it's clear that uh, the PPP once awarded will actually uh, go from tender going out to implementation of the project. So what we've seen is a lot of stop-start projects where um, PPP is broached as a, a possibility, a process is entered into but cancelled and goes nowhere. Um, so what we typically encourage is that um, governments undertake uh, uh, processes whereby where there's, a regu there's regulation and laws that mm -hmm. define how PPPs are undertaken. Uh, we, we like um, kind of transparent, uh, competitive processes where um, all the parties know um, what the rules of the game are from day one. Uyapo, your take on the realization of PPPs? PPPs are crucial for energy infrastructure projects in Africa. In South Africa, for example, reports suggest that uh, PPPs have attracted over 200 billion rands of investments. But their success is based on right investor climate. Mm -hmm. So issues like corruption and transparency are a key, a key consideration that our African governments have to uh, really, really look into. But however, uh, a right investor climate does not uh, necessarily mean that uh, our governments, our African governments, have to bow down to investors who actually want, who actually care more about profits uh, than public good. Akin, your take on the realization of PPPs? So, first of all, um, infrastructure development in general is very expensive, highly capital intensive, highly. And energy is no different. Um, it's, it costs you a lot of money to build, again, thermal power plants and build massive infrastructures. So on a least cost approach basis, Africa needs to continue to prioritize, while it's not neglecting, prioritize renewable uh, energy investment, whilst not neglecting the, uh, for example, gas-fired uh, investments. Mm -hmm. and, and likely so because um, the, the renewable energy globally, and it, it's become uh, a mainstream business in support of driving, uh, if it's possible, the reversal around the negative climate changes that we're experiencing. And so you have a lot of capital out there anyway that would like to finance renewable energy solutions. And so we have to just elementarily have to work smart. If you have sufficient capital in the private sector that can support private investment in renewable, why do you want to go against uh, against the wind, instead you know, focusing entirely and essentially only on other forms of, of uh, energy. So the, 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 the environment itself lends itself to renewable energy investment. That's number one. Number two mm -hmm. is you ask me, what can the government better do to foster uh, public-private partnership? Um, again, the, I think that one of the things I spoke about 
was red tapes. We need to find ways to reduce uh, bureaucratic red tapes. Again, please structure a suggestive roadmap for future investment strategies in Africa describing intimate correlations between the energy sector with such landmark sectors as agriculture. Yes, I think that there's already intersection between agriculture, ICT and energy in so many ways. Um, some of the anchor and, uh, should I say, customers to a lot of the off-grid and mini-grid solutions in our rural communities, as you know, remain agriculture. So agriculture, if I understand it correctly, remains the biggest employer of labor on the continent. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, you know, those subsistence farmers, the commercial farms, industrial farms, the agro-industry, uh, agro-allied industry, etc., all needs to be powered. And it's complicated to build uh, a very expensive thermal power plant to power a 100 kilowatt farmer who is 200 kilometers away from the national grid. But renewable energy can do that. Solar can do that. Uh, solar and wind can do that. Small hydro, run of the mill, uh, run of the river, hydro plant can do that. We are powering communities on mini grids uh, that are largely driven by uh, the farming enterprises. Um, now, but the, the beauty of this is that if you invest in, in I'm sitting in Johannesburg and I'm investing uh, mini grids in Malawi, I need to have technologies that will enable me to monitor this investment, that will enable me to optimize the investment, that will enable me better, more importantly, serve my customers. Mm -hmm. So ICT becomes critical. Um, so the intersection between ICT, energy, and agriculture, it's already actually a standardized business on the continent. Uyapo? I sincerely believe that a future investment roadmap in Africa should leverage on the fact that many agricultural practices continue to be based on animal and human energy. And uh, clearly that is not enough. Uh, like, there's a gap there. And in essence, that means that... Uh, the potential gains in which agricultural productivity through the deployment of modern energy services uh, are being are not are not being fully realized. Uh, mm -hmm. There is a gap there that needs to to be filled by uh, investment strategies, and um, some investment strategies could also uh, look at the opportunity created by the below par food processing storage facilities in many African countries. And there is a demand for energy in that respect as well. And an opportunity as well to add value on the products. But it doesn't end there. The opportunities, the investment opportunities do not end there. And the agro-processing industries like sugar mills also present another opportunity to produce energy. Not only for self-sustenance, but also uh, to export that energy. Mm -hmm. SAPI Southern Africa is, is, is a good example of this and they are taking full advantage of, the open, of, of this opportunity through the fuel roads that they produce in their pulp making enterprise. Gentlemen, thank you for affording us your time. You're welcome, Derek, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much, Derek, for having me on the show. On that note, we have come to the end of our show. Money alone cannot light up our homes or provide energy for our light 
and heavyweight industries. Shrewd and astute combinations are to be considered and therefore hard choices made, but all in the best interest of the African child. That is doing African things right, for doing it right is the African way. Join me again next week same time as we explore the structure beneath the structure right here on African Insights. My name is Derek Mazarula and it's bye for now.